welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. If you have your Bibles, open them to Psalm 27. Psalm 27. So we talk about the subject of fear today. I know that there are a lot of people who are afraid. And many times, the greatest source of comfort when you're afraid is to read the Word of God. Listen to what Psalm 27 records beginning in verse 1. The Lord is the, my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked come against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. And then in verse 14, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we pray today for anyone watching and within the sound of my voice that's afraid. Would you please comfort them? Would you please encourage them? Would you please strengthen them? And for those who don't know you, Lord, would you please save them today? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. A pastor, a pastor told this true story. He said, a friend of mine got to start on the football team his sophomore year. He received the opening kickoff and dropped the ball, picked it up, and broke through in the open and raced down the sidelines with nobody after him. But as he was running, he glanced to his right and he saw the shadow of someone chasing him. So he ran faster, but the guy stayed right behind him. And he didn't want the guy to catch him, so he dove into the end zone. And when he stood up, he realized there was no one behind him. The shadow he'd been running from was his own shadow. In 1835, excuse me, 1875, there was a well-known cleric or priest or preacher, whatever you want to call him. His name was Richard Trench. And in 1875, he had a fall that fractured both knees. He never fully recovered from that, and he was always living in the fear of being paralyzed. One evening at a banquet, a lady was sitting next to him at dinner, noticed that the elder minister was agitated and he was muttering to himself. He said, it's come at last, it's come at last. I can't feel a thing, I'm paralyzed. 
Well, she asked Trench what was wrong. And he said, I've been pinching my leg for the last five minutes and I cannot feel a thing. And she was a little red in the face and she said, it's all right. It's my leg that you've been pinching the last five minutes. Fear can make you look foolish. Fear can be all kinds of things. Now, Jake had begun to develop a panic attacks commuting to work with his friends. The fear became so acute that he decided to talk to a psychiatrist about it, and he said, Doc, it's terrible. Every day I'm filled with fear and anxiety as I ride to work with three of my coworkers, and the thing that triggers it is a tunnel we drive through. Every time we approach the tunnel, I get so scared I can hardly breathe. What's wrong with me? Am I going crazy? The doctor said, no, 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 my boy. What you have is a very common ailment these days. You have what is known as carpool tunnel syndrome. Now, I can hear you groaning at home on that one. But you need to smile a little bit. I want us to talk about fear. First of all, let's, let's mention the reality of fear. I call it the fear factor. Fear began in the Garden of Eden. After man sinned, he hid from God. And, and God said, why are you hiding? And they said, because we were afraid. If you look up fear in the dictionary, you're going to find this, this definition. An unpleasant, often strong emotion caused by the anticipation or the awareness of danger. Fear causes you to be tied up in an emotional knot. Ann Ayler of North Virginia said, on Halloween night, my three-year-old grandson, Brian, couldn't sleep because he was convinced ghosts were in his room. And she said, it's all in your head, son. She reassured him, now go to sleep. And before she got down the stairs, his voice called out again, mom, the ghosts have left my head and they're running around my room. Well, fear most of the time is in our head and it is in our heart and we, and we respond to it. But did you know there are different kinds of fear? First of all, there's a healthy fear. I call it the fear that protects you. In some instances, it's a God-given warning system. A surgeon fears to harm his patient, so he's extremely careful. A pilot fears to harm his passenger, so he takes care in handling the airplane. It's fear of getting bitten that causes you to stay away from a rattlesnake. It's the fear of dying that, keeps you, that makes you look both ways before you cross the street. Healthy fear releases adrenaline, which prepares you to flee or to fight. It's a, it's a fear that protects you. We all have it, and it's, there's nothing wrong with that kind of fear. You ought to be careful when you walk up to the edge of a cliff. The fear of dying makes you be careful. But the second kind of fear is harmful fear. It paralyzes you. The Greek word is the word phobio, which means strangling or debilitating fear. It causes a person to freeze up like a deer caught in the headlights. It's like Dennis the Menace who climbed into bed between his mom and dad during a thunderstorm. And his mom and dad said, there's nothing to be afraid of. There's, nothing to, there's no reason to be afraid of thunder. And Dennis said, I wouldn't be scared of the thunder if I could keep my mind off my thoughts. 
The problem is, it gets in our mind. Julius Caesar was a powerful emperor, but he was so afraid of thunder that he hid under the bed every time a thunderstorm came. Julius Caesar. Peter the Great was a Russian czar that was to be feared, yet he was afraid of bridges. So he never crossed one. He went around a way to get across them. He would not cross a bridge. And did you know there are over 500 phobias or fears registered in the American Medical Association as being legitimate phobias? Listen to some of these. Cyberphobia, fear of computers. Lunophobia, fear of the moon. Astrophobia, fear of lightning. Chromatophobia, fear of money. Eratophobia, fear of the color red. This one's hard to say. Triskaidekaphobia, Triskaidekaphobia. It's fear of the number 13. Pelidophobia, fear of baldness. Phobophobia, fear of fear. Ketophobia, fear of hairy people. <laughs> Levophobia, fear of objects on the left side of the body. Dextrophobia, fear of objects on the right side of the body. Thassalophobia, fear of being seated. Odontophobia, fear of teeth. Mysophobia, fear of dirt. Hydrophobia, fear of water. Nyclophobia is the fear of darkness. Acrophobia is the fear of high places. Taxophobia is the fear of being buried alive. Claustrophobia, it's a fear of combined, confined places. I have a new definition for claustrophobia. It's when children cry when you put them in Santa Claus's lap at Christmas. But the most common fear among Americans is glossophobia. It's the fear of public speaking. Now, this week, I got some new ones for you. How about coronaphobia? How about Econophobia, fear of the economy. How about viral phobia? I don't know. We, we got a lot of phobias going on. People are afraid. And you may have some kind of fear in your life that's keeping you emotionally tied up. It's a fear that produces paralysis. It affects you physically. It's really like an unwanted guest that comes into your mind. You didn't invite fear to come in. They just came in. And it causes all kinds of problems. Did you know that Many years ago, were miners and settlers in British Columbia, and they needed supplies, and so they started stripping an old fort, Fort Alcon. And it was partially, it was mostly a prison, and it was not any use anymore. So they were taking the lumber and the electrical appliances and the plumbing when they made an amazing discovery. While they were dismantling the jail, they found that the mighty locks were attached to heavy doors with two-inch steel bars covering the windows. But the walls of the jail and the prison were only wallboard made out of clay and paper painted to look like iron. A good heavy heave on the wall or running into the wall, you could have broken through the wall, but no one ever tried it because it looked like an iron wall. Many Christians are prisoners of their fears when they really have nothing to be afraid of. Zig Ziglar said fear stands for false evidence appearing real. F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. And Satan loves to put all kinds of barriers made of paper mache in the path of a believer to make him think 
he is stopped. A physician once said, the most common and the most subtle of all human diseases is fear. There's still a third kind of fear. It's called, I call it, holy fear. It preserves you. The word in the Greek is eulabia, and the word in the Hebrew is yira. It means to respect or to reverence. Proverbs 1-7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 9:10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of God means that we reverence him. Those of us who know him personally, when I say personally, we have a relationship through Jesus Christ with him. We are his children. We're not afraid of him to cower in fear, but we reverence and honor and worship him. We respect him. An electrician has to maintain a healthy fear of electricity even though an electrician knows how to put everything together, but he has to maintain a healthy fear because he knows it can kill him. And yet his fear of electricity doesn't prevent him from doing his job. In the same way, we can have a reverential fear of God that causes us to respect him without cringing in terror away from God. And King David is an example And with him as an example, let's focus on the remedy for fear. Instead of the fear factor, it ought to be the faith factor. One of the reasons people have trouble handling difficulties of life is they lack the assurance of a personal relationship with God. Oswald Chambers said it well. It's the most natural thing in the world to be scared. And the clearest evidence that God's grace is at work in our hearts is when we do not get into panics. The remarkable thing about fearing God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. You see, we have a foundation that the world doesn't have. A lot of people's foundations have been stripped away from them right now. Those who worship sports, they've got nothing to worship. Those who worship the economy, they've got nothing to worship. Those who worship all kinds of pleasure things, they've got nothing to worship. It's all been stripped away, except those of us who know Jesus, our foundation in God has not been stripped away. Some of you may say, well, that's just too simple. That doesn't apply to my fears. But I want to tell you the theology that's right here in Psalm 27 is real to life because David knew what he was talking about. He said that they, they were people after him. He had evildoers coming at him to devour him in verse 2. They were breathing out violence even in verse 12. He had an entire army encamped against him, and yet David could say, my heart, in verse 3, my heart will not fear, though war arise against me. In spite of this, I am confident. The man knew what he was talking about, and so if he did, let's take a look at it for a minute. He can teach us about overcoming fear. The first part of the remedy is to remember your relationship with the Lord. In verse 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Did you notice the personal pronoun, my? You see, 
He's not just the light. He's not just the salvation or the strength. David said, he's my light. He's my strength. He's my salvation. It's personal. And folks, there are a lot of people who know about God and know about Jesus and know about the Holy Spirit, but they don't have a relationship with him. And if you have no relationship with God, you've just got religion, you're not going to have any any kind of courage to overcome the fears in your life because everything this world has to offer is the only thing you have to hold on to. But when it's all stripped away, you still have the Lord. Ensign is the entry-level commissioned officer's rank in the Navy. It's equivalent to the rank of second lieutenant in the other armed forces. A young ensign had nearly completed his first overseas tour of duty when he was given an opportunity to display the ability at getting the ship underway. With a stream of crisp commands, he had the decks buzzing with men. Soon the ship had left port and was steaming out of the channel. The ensign's efficiency had been remarkable. In fact, the deck was abuzz with talk that he had set a new record for getting a destroyer underway. The ensign glowed at his accomplishment and was not at all surprised when another seaman approached him with a message from the captain. He, however, was a bit surprised to find out that it was a radio message. It read, my personal congratulations upon completing your underway preparation exercise according to the book. In your haste, however, you have overlooked one of the unwritten rules. Make sure the captain is aboard when getting underway. I believe a lot of folks try to keep their lives underway without God on board. And we need to weekly understand who we are and our relationship with the Lord. I want you to notice what he said about him. He said, first, he is my light. Light dispels darkness. Put the word guidance out there. God is the source of light. In him is no darkness at all. Darkness is the absence of light. When you are afraid of the dark, what's the first thing you want to do? You want to turn on the light because light dispels darkness. God helps David find his way through dark times. God also helps us find our way through dark times. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is just hold on to the Lord during those dark times. Actually, he holds on to you. You don't hold on to him. We have to remember to keep the captain on board, to keep God on board. When we see, we can live with confidence. (laughs) One rainy afternoon, Vita Allen in Chicago said, one rainy Sunday afternoon, my daughter and I were discussing her Sunday school lesson on the 23rd Psalm. And afterward, we walked into the kitchen, and all of a sudden, the room went dark because of a storm outside. My daughter turned to me and said, Mommy, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, but you can turn on the light, please. We are looking for guidance and we're looking for light. In this world of darkness, David said, the Lord is my light. You want to know what to do? Look at his word. You want to know what to do? Go to him in prayer. God will guide us. He is the light that guides in the darkness. 
He also said that the Lord is my salvation. And salvation brings security. Security and stability are in the hand of God. Listen, salvation is not joining a religious group. Salvation means that you're saved from what? You're saved from sin. And sin has separated you from God. And sin is, the only way for sin to be paid for is with the blood of Christ. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Lord came, lived a sinless life and went to the cross on our behalf and God put on him the sin of all of us and he died for it. But he didn't stay dead, he rose again. He conquered death and we place our faith in that. My faith is not in myself. My faith is not in my own works. My faith is in the fact that Jesus died for my sin, rose again, conquering death, and now I trust him as my Lord and Savior, and his spirit indwells me and indwells every other believer, and because of that, your salvation brings you security. You know who owns you? The Lord loans you. He knows your name. Some of you are at home by yourself and you're lonely and I understand that, but God's not far away. If you know him as your savior, he never leaves you or forsake you. He never goes away. Romans 8, 31 says, if God be for us, who can be against us? You are secure in the Lord. What's the absolute worst thing that's gonna happen to you? If, if you take it out and the absolute worst thing that happened to you, you go to heaven? <laughs> well, I know that all of us want to stay alive as long as we can. But think of the security that you have. No matter what, God holds on to you. He knows your name. He loves you. He indwells you. He will guide you as the light. He is your security. It's a shame not a shame, it's sad. How many people are trusting that the government is gonna bail them out of everything? Well, folks, I tell you, I'd rather have my security in the Lord than the government any day because God is God, he is our light, he is our salvation. And then David mentions strength. Strength brings shelter and a fortress. God is a refuge and a fortress for us. We must have an anchor to hold on to. God is the anchor. He's the one that keeps us secure. He's the one that shelters us. Listen, sometimes the Lord calms the storm. But sometimes he lets the storm rage and he calms his child. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes the Lord calms the storm. But sometimes he lets the storm rage and he calms his child. Psalm 34, 4 says, I sought the Lord. He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Now, if you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus, you will never be rid of your fear. 
Did you hear what I said? If you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you will always have fear in your life from now on. And one day you're going to stand before the judgment seat of God and you will be the most terrified you've ever been because you have no hope. I'm not trying to scare you, but you know what? I'd rather scare you now than for you to stand before the judgment seat of God knowing that you have no hope. You have hope in Jesus Christ. He died for you. He loves you. He wants you. Now, the second part of this remedy is to recall all that God has done. First, you remember your relationship. Then you recall what God has done. That's what David did in verses two and three. He starts to remember all that God has done for him. I can imagine he's thinking about Goliath. You remember that David was a young man and still probably a teenager and Goliath, the giant, the tall guy, he goes before Goliath without any armor, without a sword, just a slingshot and some rocks and in the name of the God of Israel. David recalls that. David recalls the times the armies have surrounded him and God has delivered him. He remembers how God has taken care of him that the Lord is on my side. In fact, Psalm 118, 6, he said, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear what can man do to me. I wish I could see your face today. But I would ask you this question if you were sitting in this room has God done anything for you? Can you look back over your life and see that God's done anything for you? Well, guess what? He's still the same today. God can take care of you. Recall all that he's done for you. We think, count your blessings. See what God has done. Recall all that he's done. And that's what David does. He said, you know what? I've been surrounded before. I've been through difficult times before. I've stood in front of giants before. But God has always come through. Well, God's not going to leave you now. He didn't leave you then. He's not going to leave you now. A third part of the remedy is to remain faithful in your walk. In verse 4. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek. The priority, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. He's not talking about the temple. He's talking about him being in the presence of the Lord. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And then verse 14, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. We're not very good waiters. We don't like to wait. David was up against many odds and he didn't let persecution or setbacks or struggles get the best of him. He kept on believing in God because he had courage and hope. And we have hope because we can live in confidence. We know that God is with us every day. Keep on going. Don't be like Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown said, I have a new philosophy. I'm only going to dread one day at a time. <laughs> well, you and I don't have to dread a day at a time. We have given, been given a day by the Lord, and he is, he is with us. He never leaves us. We got to keep on going. Don't quit. There's some people ready to give up. One time there was a Louisville University quarterback who dreamed of playing in the pros. 
And upon graduation, no team drafted him. So he wrote several teams. He finally got an opportunity to try out for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He gave it his best effort, but he wasn't selected. His friend said, you got a raw deal. It wasn't meant to be. I guess it's time for you to hang up your cleats. But the young athlete didn't give up. He continued to knock on doors and write letters. Finally, he received another invitation. But again, he didn't make the team. Most people would have given up long before this point, but not John. He was fanatic about his personal dream, and from his early days of playing sandlot football, he had been obsessed with his goal. So patiently and persistently, he continued to pursue opportunities. Finally, he was given an invitation to try out for the Baltimore Colts, and he made it third string. Through training and long hours of drills and fitness building, he worked his way up to starting quarterback, became one of the greatest quarterbacks ever to play in the NFL. By now, you know who I'm talking about, Johnny Unitas. You got to keep on going. In verse 14, it says, wait on the Lord. That does not mean sitting around, twiddling your thumbs and doing nothing. The word means to wait in faith. It's an active verb. It's, it means to be active in your waiting. And look for hope. Expect it. Look for it. Expect it. It comes from God. He always follows through. And not only that, the verbs in verse 14 are all singular. It's as if David is talking to himself. <laughs> You ever talk to yourself? You ever lose arguments with yourself? <laughs> He's talking to himself. And in a time when God seems to be silent and the crisis is severe, talk to yourself. And what do you say? Well, you believe the scripture that says, I believe that God is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews eleven six. You need to constantly recite your, this, this phrase. Remember. The Lord is with me. The Lord has not left me. Remember, the Lord is with me. If you talk to yourself, tell yourself that. Remember, the Lord is with me. I'm waiting on him. I'm waiting for an answer. And as often as you keep those thoughts, you bring your thinking back on course and you can keep it there. Remember that you always have hope. Many of you will recognize the name Bertrand Russell was one of the most influential thinkers of the 20th century. He's generally recognized as the founder of what is called analytic philosophy, the marriage of mathematical logic and philosophy. But Russell was not a Christian. He was an atheist. In fact, in 1927, he wrote a book entitled Why I Am Not a Christian. When he was 81 years old, he was interviewed by the BBC and the interviewer asked him, what do you have to hang on to when death is obviously so close? And Russell's answer was, I have nothing to hang on to but grim, unyielding despair. Can you imagine coming to the end of your life and having nothing but grim, unyielding despair? You have the Lord with you. I'm pretty sure somebody said amen in their living room. You got to remember your relationship. You got to recall what God has done. You need to remain faithful. And finally, you need to renew and rejoice in your worship. 
keep worship a part of your life. Worship is not something done one day a week. It's not just music. It's a part of our lives. David said it was his priority in verse 12 to dwell or to remain in the presence of God. It's a heart issue. Verse 6 says he offered sacrifices of joy, which literally means joyous shouts. Yay! That's what that word means. I'm going to lift up joyous shouts. I will shout loudly like a battle battle cry. And he also says in verse 6, to sing praises to the Lord. And it literally means be a strolling minstrel. A strolling minstrel went around singing to everyone to let other people know. Know what God is doing to let others know. Psalm 107 verse 2 says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Isaiah 12 verses 2 through 4. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust, I will not be afraid, for the Lord is my strength and song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And in that day you will say, praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare his deeds among the peoples, make mention that his name is exalted, sing to the Lord, for he has done excellent things. Rejoice doesn't mean you're always happy, but to rejoice in the Lord, to know that he is your God. Back when I was a young man, there was a popular song. The lyrics went like this. When you're up against a struggle that shattered all your dreams and your hopes have been cruelly crushed by Satan's manifested schemes, when you feel the urge within you to submit to earthly fears, don't let the faith you're standing in seem to disappear. Praise the Lord. He can work through those who praise him. Praise the Lord, our God inhabits praise. Praise the Lord for the chains that seem to bind you, serve only to remind you that they drop powerless behind you when you praise him. You need to pray and to praise the Lord. Many years ago, a number of the people in the jungles of Central Africa responded to salvation. They responded to the gospel. They had no church building, so they would gather for prayer in a spot in the center of the jungle that they had cleared. And they would gather there to pray and to meet and to worship. And whenever a Christian seemed to be losing his first love, the others, and and because of that, there were trails that came from every direction through the jungle to lead to that clearing. And whenever a Christian seemed to be losing his first love, the others would admonish him by saying, brother, the grass is growing on your path. What about your path? Is the grass growing on it? When's the last time you just stopped and said, Lord, I love you. I thank you that you're with me. I know I'm afraid. I'm concerned. I'm apprehensive. But Lord, I know you have a hold of me and you're not going to let go. And you know what? When you start focusing on that, remember the Lord is with me. The Lord is with me. Everything else begins to fall into place. One of the most gifted speakers in church history was John Chrysostom. The name comes from a Greek word meaning golden-tongued. 
John was sent from Antioch to what was then Constantinople, and he preached fearlessly in the capital of Eastern Roman Empire. He denounced the lavish extravagance of the rich and the ruling class, and his condemnation of excess infuriated many people, including the empress, excuse me, Eudoxia, who arranged for him to be exiled. And when he was told of his fate, Christensen said this, what can I fear? Will it be death? But you know that Christ is my life and that I shall gain by death. Will it be exile? But the earth and all its fullness is the Lord's. Will it be loss of wealth? (laughs) We brought nothing into the world and can carry nothing out. Thus, all the terrors of the world are contemptible in my eyes, and I smile at all its good things. Poverty I do not fear. Riches I do not sigh for. Death I do not shrink from. Proverbs 29, 25 says, the fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. What are you afraid of today? Are you afraid of dying? I fear the process because I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm not afraid of what's going to happen after death because I know who holds my life, Jesus does. If you don't know Jesus today, you'll never get rid of your fear. I'm telling you, because there's an emptiness inside of you that's always there that only Jesus Christ can feel. You were made to have a relationship with God. And in order to have that, you have to deal with the sin in your life. But the problem is, You can't get rid of your sin. And so God saw that. He came rescuing us in the flesh, lived a sinless life, died. The wages of sin is death. He died for us. He rose again the third day. He conquered death. He took the stinger out of death. In fact, all death can do now for a Christian is run an Uber service home to heaven. That's all death can do is escort you home. It cannot take you any other place. If you don't know Jesus today, you can invite him into your life right now in your own living room or wherever you are. Would you bow your heads with me? The commitment is this. Dear Lord, I know, I know I am a sinner and I cannot save myself. I'm afraid, God, I'm afraid of you. But I come to you right now asking you to forgive me. And I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. I believe he lived a sinless life and died for me. And Lord, right now, I believe he rose again and conquered death and Lord Jesus, I ask you right now to come into my life and to save me. And Father, I pray for those who may have just received Christ as their Savior. I pray that they will feel and experience the peace that surpasses all understanding. Peace even in the midst of a world that has been shut down to know that you are on our side. I pray for them right now in Jesus' name. Amen. 
thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like more information, to make a commitment, or to request prayer, please text the word podcast to 555-888. You can also connect with us on our Southcrest app or our website for complete worship services or to plan to visit us in person. Thanks again for listening.